Okay, I want to take you back 20 years. It's 1999, and I've gone to England. I'm at the University of Cambridge. I'm at a little college called St. Emma's, a little tiny college, and I have signed up to be part of their rowing team. We have the flag here. That's St. Eddie's rowing team. St. Edmunds, again, is a very small college, so that means it doesn't have a really powerful uh, rowing team. Uh, and not only that, I am not on the first boat. I am on the second boat. And the first boat has actually some Olympians that are rowing Olympians on it. But I thought it was pretty cool because on the second boat, I actually got to share uh, some time with someone who was part of uh, South Africa's uh, national rugby team. So I actually got to spend some time with a, uh, with a real athlete. And here I am trying to become this rower. I don't know much about rowing, but I start rowing. And what it requires is that I have to get up almost every morning and be at the water for 6 a.m. It is a pretty incredible. You can, it's a beautiful view. But it's not easy to do. You're getting up each morning, you're practicing and working. It's a little bit chilly, even though it's not freezing like it is here. It's still cold in the mornings in England. And, and what I recognize, I start to look back, this is probably one of the times in my life that I was really, really good shape and I was one of, at my most disciplined. Getting up to help my teammates and realizing that this is something that I needed in my life. And it, it was really good. It felt good. I felt good. I felt I was in shape. It felt good to be disciplined. And, and as I look back, I recognize uh, when, thing, when you're disciplined, things can go well. When you are undisciplined, things can fall apart. I looked at a team that I love this week losing seven to one. And one of the headlines was an undisciplined mess. And I thought, yeah, are there times in my life where I could have said that about my life? An undisciplined mess. There's times where I can go like, I was disciplined and it was going well. There's other times where I look at my life and go, oh, I wish I had some more discipline or some areas in my life that had more discipline. The scriptures tell us that discipline is a good thing. It says that physical discipline's a good thing, but spiritual discipline is even better. And it actually says that we are all called to have discipline. In fact, if you think of who we are, we are disciples, disciples of Christ. And if you look at that root of disciple, you notice this is the word discipline. We need to be disciples with discipline. It says this in, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Disciples with discipline. Now, what is discipline? Or, or better yet, what does the Bible have to say about discipline? Why, why is it so important that we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness? It is important in Scripture. I want to point out that there's actually a book of Scripture that's written entirely for the cause of discipline. That is the book of Proverbs. If you look at the intro in Proverbs 1.1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the wise. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. 
for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In the context of Proverbs, this idea of discipline is, it's, can be like a chastening, a correction. But it can also be like this idea of, of being shrewd or sensible or wise, crafty, understanding how to go about living your life in a proper way. And it says that you are a fool if you despise discipline. If we lack discipline, we, we open our lives up actually to, we're vulnerable to attack and to chaos. It says in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. You can think about that. Back in these days, each city was a little bit of its own state and it had a wall around it. If that wall was down, you can read Ezra Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the wall. If that wall is down, you are vulnerable to attack from, from any forces that come by. And discipline becomes this kind of hedge of protection around your life. If, if your heart is a city, then discipline is the wall that helps protect it. Now, there are a lot of different words in Scripture that are used to help describe this idea of discipline. And so what I want to do is take a little bit of time to jot through different words that we translate as discipline in English. So we're going to go through a little journey through the New Testament and just these different pictures or concepts. I like to think of uh, the Scripture sometimes in terms of, of word clusters. Certain words kind of stick around each other. So the word discipline has a number of different words that can be translated as it, and they each give you a little picture of what discipline means. And maybe one of them you'll kind of attach yourself to a little bit more. So the first one I want to talk about is the idea of uh, taxes. It's, a, it's an idea of being, having a good discipline in terms of order having an orderly manner. For even though I'm not, I'm absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit. It says this in Colossians 2. Rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your life in Christ as you therefore have received Christ the Lord, walk with him. This idea of good discipline here is this idea of like order. Everything's well ordered. It's in, in proper rows. I know some people kind of have a more orderly type of personality, right? You kind of, you, you like to have, make sure everything, your whole day is organized and day planned. There's a sense in which order is really important to the, the, the spiritual life. That you make sure your thoughts, your life, how you go about things has a good manner. It's, it has an orderly sense. Another word that we like to, to translate in the scriptures as discipline is the word gymnasio. What does that look like to you? Gymnasio. Gymnasium. Discipline is kind of like going to work out at the gym. That's why we have the same word here. Uh, discipline in the passive reading today is actually gymnasio. Discipline, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily gymnasio is only of little profit but godliness is profitable for all things. So maybe some of you can kind of attach to your idea when you're thinking about spiritual discipline and having a disciplined life through the different practices or habits of the heart, there's a sense in which it's kind of like training. We have the football playoffs right now. Think of all the, the training and hard work that they've done to get to this place where now they can enjoy these games. Another term that we often use for discipline is pedia. I think we have a pediatrician in our midst. 
This idea of pedagogy comes from that, training children. The rearing of a child, the training, disciplining a child is really an important way of also thinking about what discipline is. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Sense of a child learning and growing in discipline. I think about my own son, uh, Dominic, this week, and, and we're going skating, and um, he's just learning. Well, we hadn't taken him skating earlier. He's nine now, and, and he's, he's got kind of a, you know, in terms of playing hockey, he's kind of behind a bit in terms of training. But he really wants to play, so we're taking him skating. And it's really frustrating to him because he feels like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. And, and we're trying to sit down with him and recognize, like, this is going to take training. This is going to take time. If you want to do this, you're going to have to pace yourself and grow and learn in this. The same thing with your spiritual life. You want to see fruit and growth? It's going to take time. And it's not easy. And sometimes it's hard. And we know in Scripture it says, like, it doesn't feel here. It says it doesn't feel good at the time, does it? It kind of burns when you're rowing and you feel like your arms are going to fall off. But it produces a harvest of righteousness. Next term is egkratia, which is self-control or self-mastery. the idea of being able to take care of yourself and, and make sure that you keep yourself in order. 1 Corinthians 9, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who completes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we have an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in a way such as not as beating the air, but I buffet my body to make it my slave. Lest possibly after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. That is ringing back at me, <laughs> echoing to me, right? I gotta say, this is something that I woke up and we were talking to Megan. I was like, I gotta preach a sermon to myself. The sense of self control is an important thing in Scripture. Another term that we often translate as uh, the idea of self, of self control or the, the idea of discipline is the term sophron. This means to be temperate, of a sound mind, basically to have a good, even temper, to not lose your temper. All have probably been there places in your life where you kind of, your emotions get to the point where you're not really thinking straight. You kind of just act out, right? That's the opposite of discipline. And we see this all the time in taking bad penalties in a sport or, or even probably in our own raising of children. Sometimes you're like, oh, I wish uh, my emotions overcame me there. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and temperance, self-discipline. Similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled, to be temperate. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. If we allow our kind of emotions and things to help control us, then we're, it's going to be hard to, to avoid temptation. Temperance helps you avoid temptation because if you're, if you're tempered, when things come your way, you're able to think of them in a way that you recognize what they are and what's going on with them. So having this temperance is an important part of the idea of discipline. And finally, the last term I want to point out is nepho, which means to be like sober in spirit, to be sober-minded. 
to abstain from wine. If you can think about it, right? There's nothing that's probably less self-controlled than a person who's under the influence of something. In 1 Thessalonians, you're all sons of the light and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled, sober in spirit. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. You think of lack of discipline. In Proverbs, talk about someone who's a drunkard kind of just waving like, a ship in high waves. And so this idea of, of being sober-minded, clear-minded, having being able to think clearly and be able to go about activities. Sober-minded is also important in terms of addiction because if we're addicted to things like alcohol or other things, then it's very difficult to help self-control because you're kind of aiming everything that way. So here we heard what self-control is. And I, I want to now bring up kind of probably an important theological question that arises when we start talking about self-control, which is the question of, okay, well, how does this work? When we start talking about self-control and we talk about self-discipline, doesn't this get us in danger of starting to make our Christian walk about what I do? Isn't there a danger of now you're trying to like save yourself or make yourself better? And we know that's not the truth. We know that scripture tells us that, that we can never make ourselves good enough. We can never do enough good things to try to put us in right relationship with God. That God loves us no matter what we do or who we are through Jesus Christ. If we accept Christ, the blood of Christ covers us, forgives us. We don't have to make ourselves better. And that is true. And the danger of self-discipline or discipline as a topic is that we might go the opposite way and start to become very legalistic, Right? set in our ways, judgmental of other people who don't live our regimented way of going about our disciplined spiritual life. And that's, that's a big danger. So what is it? Is, is discipline uh, a human action? Or is it a, a grace? Well, first of all, we are instructed to be self-controlled. So it's something that we have to have a part in doing and somehow... It says in 2 Peter 1.5, For this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. So there's a sense in which we need to be working at this. On the other hand, Paul doesn't have time for people who can think they, by doing things you make yourself godly. They think about... Uh, in, in Titus, it talks about the, he talks about those who are rebellious, deceivers, and they are the people of the circumcision group. Isn't that interesting? The people he feels are undisciplined are the ones who are the, saying, you have to make sure you do this and this and this, obey these Sabbaths. The ones with all the extra rules, he calls them rebellious and undisciplined. Kind of reminds you of the Pharisees. Who are the main people Jesus is always kind of having a contrast with? It's the Pharisees who have all these extra rules and you have to do all these things. And what he's ends up saying is that's actually rebellion against God. Because what ends up happening is you become inwardly a sepulcher. Because you're not actually having a real relationship with him. You're trying to make yourself look good by your own actions. Which is undisciplined. Now Jesus did go about doing spiritual disciplines. He prayed early in the morning. He made sure he did these things. But we recognize there's this danger when we have this language of legalism. 
It says this in Colossians really clearly. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. That's what Jesus was teaching. Setting up all these rules and following commands and stuff, they actually don't, they're not helpful for connecting you with God by just trying to obey rules and, and, and regulations. Because and, what you end up doing is not recognizing your need and dependence upon God's grace. What we need in terms of discipline is a discipline that acknowledges grace. A discipline that opens us up to the grace of God rather than our own rigid rule keeping. I mean, interesting in Scripture, we, we realize here, okay, you have to, it's something we do, but there's a danger of legalism. But then there's this also a part where we recognize that self-control or self-discipline is actually a fruit of the Spirit. First Timothy 1.7, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. If you follow Jesus, you've been given a spirit of self-discipline. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You're given this grace to have self-control. It's kind of this mysterious paradox, isn't it? I love the idea of, of self-control being a gift or a fruit of the Spirit. Because self-control sounds like something I do, but then yet God's given it to me in his grace. What's the relationship between these? How do they work out? I would say, I think, in the end, discipline is a personal characteristic. It's part of who you are and who you become. It becomes a habit of your being. It's kind of how you live out your life. Now, the overseer, 1 Timothy, must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. What we're hearing is just like James says about your salvation, discipline is a matter of both faith and works. As you put faith in God and trust in him, you receive the spirit of discipline and self-control and he enables you to, to live that out. But at the same time, you have practices or ways of living your life that put you in a place to receive the grace of God. That's why Jesus would go early in the morning and sneak off because he was, he's putting himself in a place where God could work. I like to think of it, I think I might have mentioned this before, when I think about this whole idea of the disciplines and how they relate to the grace of God, I often like to think about Star Trek. And the whole idea of a tractor beam. There's a tractor beam that will pull you towards God, to the heavens. And what you need to do with your disciplines is, is realizing you step into the tractor beam and allow him to raise you. Now, if you lose self-control and you forget or, and you kind of step out of the tractor beam, then you start sinking again. But it's God's grace that brings you closer to him. It's God's grace that makes you more godly. But your disciplines allow you to let God work this in your life to transform you. 
You're giving God the time and the space to work there in who you are. So why practice the disciplines? There's a few reasons. The first one is basically we're told to. I've read scripture after scripture. Really clear. If you really look healthily at scripture, we are told to be disciplined. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me, said Jesus. The anti-legalist Jesus says you have to do this daily. And you know what? We can become more like Christ as we practice these things. What we're doing is basically living our life the way Jesus lived his life, practicing his practices. The second way, reason that we're giving, or here we're giving a very specific reason, it is to become more godly for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself. It's a really interesting term. I want to return to it in a little bit. This idea of being, becoming more godly, I think sometimes we kind of have a, a problem with that think of myself as, as being godly or, or possibly being godly. But that's the purpose of these disciplines. Thirdly, I think that discipline can help free us from evil habits. One of the problems we have is our life is habits of the heart. How we live our lives, how our heart is, our lives start to be lived out. And we recognize it's possible to pick up sinful habits. First Timothy 5.13 Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, gossiping. It's a bad habit, Paul says, that people have fallen into. Or let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some people had a habit of not showing up with the brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the problems I find in the spiritual life and something I have to always return back to and remember is it's really easy to get obsessed with these bad habits in our life. And we want freedom from them, right? There's things in our life, sin, uh, lack of discipline, things that we want to change. And what often happens is we can obsess over it and kind of always think about that sin and always focus on that sin. And we're, we're hoping that it'll change, but all we're doing is staring at the sin. The way to, to change these things is not to stare at the sin. It's actually to stare at Christ to stare at the good things that might happen. If you want to change your habits, your bad habits, I would suggest rather than trying to force yourself to change that bad habit, you start to adopt a new good habit. And as you spend more time praying, when you spend more time in God's word, it's going to become more difficult to live with this habit. In fact, at one point, one of them might have to go. It's, that's why often we find ourselves when we're falling to sin, well, I haven't been really praying. I haven't been really doing these things. Why? So if you want to change your bad habits, I would just suggest coming to God with good habits and asking him to help grow those in your life. Positive aspects of, of holiness. Freedom is the reward of discipline. It's a really awesome phrase. I love that term. I heard it in Foster. Whitney talked about this. Um, if you want to feel free and be free, that comes from a disciplined life. Some of you who kind of got used to realizing your life became chaos and had to get a schedule together, you realize, oh, now I have more time somehow. You know, the same amount of time because through disciplining myself, I've now opened up a lot more freedom for other things in my life as well. Same with our spiritual lives. As we get disciplined, we start to have freedom in areas in our life that we didn't realize we'd ever have freedom from these sins. Fourth thing is that one of the reasons why we need to be disciplined is because if we don't, it becomes chaos. 
And we wreck this, right? As, you, as your discipline starts to break down, your life becomes more chaotic. You start to see things start to attach themselves with that, right? Depressions and, and unproductivity can, can, can develop sometimes. And finally, the spiritual disciplines, I think, are important because they are a workout for your spirit. They're basically you getting trained, getting shaped up to live this life, which is a spiritual battle. And the more we are disciplined in that, the better we're able to face it. I began talking uh, a little bit about um, Solomon and how he wrote this book. There's other authors, but Solomon had a great part of the book of Proverbs, right? And he wrote this book so that we would be better disciplined people. It's really easy to think about that and go, wait a second. Why would I want to be like Solomon? Look where he ended up. Does this, this is even work? He ended up worshiping idols with thousands of women that were pagans and they weren't even, like, is that the model of discipline I want to watch? Like, how can we, why, why would this be? If discipline was such a good thing and he knew so, so much about it, how in the world did he end up where he was? I think he himself answers it in the Proverbs. In Proverbs 19.27, Cease listening, my son, to discipline and you will stray from the words of knowledge. This is the thing about discipline. It's not a one-off. You don't just say, oh, I did it. I made this prayer when I was a young. I did that. No. Discipline is something that has to keep growing in our life all of our lives. Because if you stop listening, you end up going down the path of idolatry, just like Solomon. It's a, it's a sober reminder for me. Because I had those times in my life, oh, I'm disciplined. I'm, I'm rowing. I'm doing great, Right? It's not easy to keep that going. And that's why I'm so cautious when I teach this to you, because I need this. So I don't slip into an undisciplined mess. I think about that physical discipline I had when I was at Cambridge and rowing, and then I, and then I look at... <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to go today with Megan to the Y and get a membership, because her and the family already have one, and... And I realize, yeah, I'm going to have to step this up. It's easy to slip into undisciplined living. And I've talked to you guys about this before, right? So it's, 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 it's a struggle. You get going and then... But this is, this, is the, this is what the life in God means. Just keep going, returning back to discipline and, and getting back on track and realizing. Because what we are offered is godliness. What a powerful word. Again, when I think about godliness, I'm like, I don't even want to associate that with myself. And we often think, oh, you don't talk like that, people being godly. No one's godly. And we recognize that. No one, everyone's fallen short. No one is godly in that sense. But on the other hand, scriptures talk about people being godly. I don't know about you. Is there people in your life that you know? I know there's people in this church. I could go, that is a godly woman. That is a man of God. And I'm not saying they're perfect. I realize there's going to be places in their lives. But could you not say that? Do you know people like that? You could say. And I want to let you know that someday, or even right now, that could be you. People might look at you and go, there's a godly person. We're told that. If we are disciplined, that we become more godly. You can become more godly than you are now. That is motivational for me. Let's go get godly. On the other hand, what I really notice is really amazing, the people that I'm talking about, the people who I would call godly people of God, they would never call themselves godly. 
It's almost like if you call yourself godly, you are not godly, right? Because the more godly you get, the more closer you get to God, the more you, closer you get to your, in your being to being like him, the more you see how big the gulf is, how much less godly you really are. But this is this beautiful picture, though, that you are becoming more godly. You can become more godly. And that motivates me. It makes me go, Lord, this is what I want. To live with this purpose, to aim for this. To be someone who others might look at and go, they're living godly. I want to encourage you that you can become more godly. I want to encourage you to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I want to encourage you to recognize that this does not make you better. You don't make yourself better. That what's happening is God is perfecting you through his spirit as you give him the space through disciplines. Not because of your effort, because what God does. And I do believe that unless we practice these disciplines, we won't become more godly. The disciplines, it's not a haphazard thing. We're told very clearly to be disciplined in order for this to grow in our life. And so in terms of practicality this week, I'll, I just want to challenge you to this week meditate on discipline, the idea of discipline. Maybe there's a different picture. Maybe you need it uh, kind of like myself. I'm kind of meditating on the idea of gymnasio training. This is the way I'm going to recognize it. Help me think about disciplining my spiritual life is the whole idea of the physical discipline. Maybe some of you need to think about it as like in terms of the discipline of rearing of children. You, you kind of think of like God is disciplining you and help directing you and, and growing you and maturing you. Maybe some of you need to think about it in terms of sobriety and this idea of becoming more sober-minded and clear-minded and living your life more disciplined that way. But sit down with God this week and just pray and meditate on this concept of, of discipline and how he can work that in your life. And we'll continue on through the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about disciplines and what, what kind of specific disciplines can be applied in our lives. But we need to recognize that God is calling us to become more disciplined so that we will be more like Jesus. Jesus practiced all sorts of disciplines where he made sure he had time with God alone. And one of the things I recognize is that I think when he gave us communion, he was giving us a discipline. And that's why it's important that we gather together. And as often as we gather together, we do this because this is a way in which we are having a habit, a way of being, a way of life that we live together as a community where we open up a space for God and his grace to continue to grow us. And so as we enter into community, as you, as you have the, the, the body and the blood, I just ask you to take a moment with that and, and let God be a moment in, in your own heart. Open it up. Say, God, do something here. It's not magic bread or magic juice. It doesn't do it on its own. What it is is it gives you a space to allow God to transform you because you are reflecting and remembering the forgiveness of your sins. For he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. I was broken for you. He took the cup and he poured it out. He said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you do this in remembrance of me, you proclaim forgiveness of your sins and the power and the glory of Jesus Christ and the work that he is doing in you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your challenging word. We thank you for your, the call to discipline.
We pray that we would take it up. But we also thank you that your Holy Spirit and his grace is there to, to empower us. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that we do not earn your favor, that as your children we don't do anything that makes you love us more, that you love us completely as we are, and yet you want to see us grow. You want to see us develop. You want to see us become more godly. And so we pray, Lord God, as we receive the body and the blood of Christ, that we would see your spirit transform us. Would you allow us to become more disciplined? And ultimately, Lord God, would we become more godly? In Jesus' name, amen.